This is Joanna, and welcome to Joanna Land, a space dedicated to your evolution and igniting a deeper humanhood. What up, what up, beautiful people. I am so excited to welcome you to the podcast today. We are still in Mexico, living on a very busy street, and this is the best room to record, so... Disclaimer that there is going to be some background noise from the road. Um, (laughs) Hopefully not too much, but it's still early in the day here at this point, so who knows. Um, Today, it's been a while since I talked about my story. And being in Tulum, I'm connecting with people. People are asking me questions, you know, whatever. And I felt like it would be beneficial to come on the podcast today and tell, talk about my story. It's been a really long time since I talked about it. I mean, it's been literally over four years since I actually shared on the podcast, I think, I think it's been about four years, um, about what happened and how I came to be in this place, how I became to be a coach and just all of the things that has like got me to this point. First and foremost, (laughs) the biggest thing, and like, (laughs) I don't like the term big T trauma, but the technical term here is acute trauma, and that's really trauma that results from a single incidence versus chronic trauma, which is resulting from a chronic prolonged experience of trauma like abuse. I say big T because it is profound, and quite honestly, it is truly the domino that has caused the rest of my life to occur and happen as it did. My big T trauma is getting shot in the eye with a BB gun at the age of eight years old. It was my older brother, and we still love him for it. Like, everybody can be like, oh my gosh, how the freaking frack did he do that? I'm sure he feels so guilty, blah, 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 blah. And I feel like for years, he probably did. But the thing is, and then what I've come to realize over the years, is that he and I 1,010% agreed to this long before we even came on the planet. And that it's kind of like a soul contract type thing of this happening. And it happened. We were at a babysitter's house. My parents had just gotten divorced six months before. My mom was working um, about an hour away from our home in D.C., And um, my dad was in Roanoke at the time, living there, living his best single life. And my mom was going across the country for a leadership meeting or something like that. And so we were supposed to be staying with this babysitter. She was supposed to be watching us for the duration of the summer. You can guess that that was no longer a thing (laughs) after this happened uh, for very obvious reasons. And... We were, so it's interesting because I am now the third generation to be a gunshot victim in my family. And when I tell you that it is ending with me, I am dead ass serious that it is ending with me. I literally, if this happens to my children or my nieces and nephews, I will lose my ever loving shit. I am committed I don't even know how to do this work really truly, but like my level of intention and deliberate like fuck no is probably enough. (laughs) It is not happening again. And 
my grandparents were shot and killed in their own home. And my aunt was there and she was shot. She wasn't killed. She's still alive and, but still suffers from gunshot damage or like the wound damage, um, specifically like digestively. And so guns were never a thing in our house. Like we never understood them. We never had them. My parents are still pretty anti-gun. I, I ironically, am the only one who has touched a gun, who has almost, I got like this close to shooting a gun in December. Um, and then I got horribly triggered. It was great. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, so they were never around. My brother didn't understand them and he genuinely thought the safety was on. He pointed it at me and shot it. And it is the most divine thing that I've ever heard on the planet because the optic nerve, which is the nerve, it is the tiniest bundle of nerves in the human body and it connects your eye to your brain it is your way of seeing the world is through the optic nerve and the two optic nerves that come together to hit the brain they cross and la 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 so the bb came into my eye the velocity was slowed by my glasses otherwise it probably would have gone into my brain and either paralyzed me or something would have happened and it hit my optic nerve and like kind of like bounced back into the eye a little bit. And there it sat for a while. Uh, I was immediately taken to the hospital. I was then helicoptered to Fairfax Hospital where like, cause Fauquier County Hospital could not help your girl. And so they took me in, um, helicoptered me over to Fairfax and um, <laughs> they tried to get the BB out at that point. And I wasn't having it. The, it. My eye was too traumatized. So the BB sat in my eye for three or four weeks. I think my mom still has like the little thing that has the BB in it. I'm not totally sure. And honestly, this is probably a lot more detail than I've ever given around it. But it's so interesting to me because literally out of all of the places and things and whatever could have happened when he pointed and shot the gun at me thinking the safety was on. You're telling me that the optic nerve being hit is an accident. Like to me, that just doesn't compute. Like after I actually have sat here and thought about it and processed through it throughout my life over and over and over again, consistently, that's not an accident. That is a divine timing, divine right, divine. It's divine. Can't even think of any other <laughs> nouns to follow that. Um, and it's so interesting because there began my ability and my perception of the world being vastly different from how the rest of the world sees me, sees, sees the world. Literally, ocular, singular ocular vision is very different from how people with two eyes see. Yes, I lost depth perception, and apparently I have better depth perception than most people with two eyes, which blows my mind. But, like, people who see with one eye physically literally see the world differently. There is – and so that's, that's when I feel like my personal development journey started, quite honestly. Because even as an eight-year-old, I was hella fucking determined – 
to not remain a victim to this disability, which like I sometimes still to this day do not identify with it being a disability. And it is, it is. <laughs> I just don't always compute it in my brain that it is. Cause sometimes I honestly forget. Sometimes I think that I have both and then I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> we don't have both of our eyes, whoopsie daisies. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, it's just comical. And I feel like, yeah, so from the point that that happened, I obviously have, it, it, there's an ebb and flowing with it. And I have been so committed from the moment it happened to not be a victim to this because I knew that being half blind, I could allow, it would allow me, I could play the victim to that my whole entire life. I could if I wanted to. I could let it hold me back from living the life I wanted to live. I could let it be the reason that I didn't do the things that I wanted to do with my life. Even as a little kid, I was like, fuck no, I'm not going to let this stop me. So in fourth grade, so this happened in the summer between second and third grade. And in fourth grade, my parents thought it would be best to have a prosthetic shell to get something that would make my eye look normal. Fantastic. Makes sense, right? You don't want your kids being totally made fun of for not being able to see out of the right eye. And, and it looked similar. So there began now having a fourth eye doctor and... <laughs> Really, I would call him more of an artist because the process really is very artistic. Like, yes, there's the baseline, like wax and then the plaster. And then, which is like the most uncomfortable thing on the fucking planet. And it like doesn't actually, it doesn't actually hit the eye. It sits on like a, within the socket and moved around. So it wasn't a full glass eye. I never have taken out my eye. And, or like, I've, I probably will never actually take out my, like fully remove my eye unless I can get a transplant. Um, and so in fourth grade, I started wearing a shell and it's so funny. My parents were trying to keep me from being made fun of and kids are kids. They're still going to make fun of a person that they know. <laughs> the kids are cool. So cruel. <laughs> Because they still made fun of me for being half blind and like, fuck you guys. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Anywho. And, um, and truly, like, it's so funny. I even like all through middle school and high school, I was called Cyclops. And it's funny because I tried so hard to not be known as that. But everybody saw that I had more or less a lazy eye. Like it would track, but it wouldn't track as well. And... Then I got to this point and, you know, I lived through high school and college where I would never take my shell out in front of people. I was so guarded in wanting, in people seeing the full real me. And I remember in 2016, when I was about to move to Michigan, I had just had all of my friends over as like kind of a going away party type thing. And I remember, I still have these pictures. I took out my shell and, you know, girl was twisted. She was high. She was drunk. Her favorite <laughs> level of consciousness at that point in time. And I just had myself a ball being truly me by myself inside my room. And still then, 
but there was like very few people, unless I explicitly told them what happened, very few people would ask me and very few people would know. And very few people saw me without my shell in. And like my best friend who I met studying abroad in Belgium, like her and our other girlfriends when we were there are the first people who really saw me without my shell in that I really felt safe to go without my shell because I felt like if I was getting made fun of with my shell in that I would absolutely get made fun of with my shell out. And then, and like in 2016, kid you not, I swear my roommate, my first roommate in Grand Rapids literally did not even know that I wore a shell. I would wash, I would like run to the bathroom and wash it every day and put it in. And like, that's how it like actually blows my mind when I think about it, because I was that guarded. I was that scared. I was that fearful of what people would think of me when I, if I were to go like I do now. And now it's been five years and it's like no big deal. I mean, it still is sometimes like, whoa, to some of my friends. And let me tell you, well, I'm just going to go ahead and acknowledge this. I have some of my friends who knew me with my shell, knew me through that process, knew me in the shell, and then watched me go through that transformation and then starting to go without the shell. And they say to me sometimes um, that like, oh, I sometimes don't even notice it. And quite honestly, to me, and I had a biracial woman back me up on this, is like, that's just as bad as saying you don't see color. Because that feels like you don't see me. You're seeing, like, you're blocking it out. And, like, that does not feel good to me. And so then 2016 rolls around. And this, I, I'm at this point where, like, I really am wanting to embrace my life authentically. I start my coaching certification. I get really, in 2016, I go ham, 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 ham into personal development and I'm wanting to express myself fully and I'm wanting to be authentic and yet I still cannot take the shell out like it still is a struggle for me and so my primary commitment to myself inside of my coaching certification process was to be able to go fucking five minutes literally five minutes without my shell in and I finished my process of my coaching certification in August of 2017 And I still hadn't gone that long without the show. And, but I had grown in esteem in myself. I had unworked a lot of the limiting beliefs around my, myself and my eye and what people would think of me and working through a lot of that stuff that was really keeping me from being authentic with myself and with other people around me. And I... And really, like, what it comes down to is me not feeling safe to be fully myself, to not fully own myself. And so much of the coaching sort of, like, so much of that process and the work that I did in that time was me building the safety, cultivating the safety within myself, the esteem within myself to really be able to be like, fuck all of you. If my family can accept me like this, then I literally don't care about, particularly if my older brother can accept me like this, then I I don't care what anybody else thinks. Strangers can judge me. Kids can look at me the wrong way. They can wonder and ask questions, and that's totally fine. 
But if I am good and safe and esteemed in myself enough to go without this shell, I'm going to fucking do it. (laughs) And so I did. I started experimenting. I was working at a boutique at the time and I would go some, when I was there by myself, I would go without it. I would just experiment for times without it in. And it was interesting to see how people would react to me sometimes and generally they, they were nicer. And like at the time I also experimented, like I definitely have gotten out of tickets by taking off my shell. And that might just be pretty white girl privilege, but I like also am half blind and they could see that. So I like literally like would go on my road trips, like any capacity where I could experiment with strangers around how they reacted to me and experiment in general with having my shell out, I would do it. And then somewhere in there, I was at Rosemary Beach with my dad and his girlfriend and her family. And I decided that week, it was transitioning into New Year's, like into 2018. And I decided to experiment with it. And I went that whole entire week without wearing my shell. And it was the most freeing and liberating and, like, beautiful week. And I put in my shell for one more time when my family came to visit me when I turned 25, simply because I didn't want to trigger my older brother. And I've literally never worn it for longer than five minutes since. Um, it's uncomfortable to wear now. My, my eye has actually, um, gotten healthier. It looks better. It's like, it loves being exposed to oxygen into the air and it's done so well that like it, it physically is uncomfortable and it's hysterical because like my mom spent mad money on getting me shells. I got a shell and went through a hard, long process to get a new one in 2017. And like, that was kind of in that process, I was like, why am I doing all of this? Why am I doing all of this, spending all of this money coming to Virginia, like blah, 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 just to put a mask on? It didn't feel right to me. It didn't, and it, it no longer, like, especially as I was deepening into myself and it just felt so inauthentic for me to be wearing a mask. And fast forward five years later, here I am. I've gone five years now without the shell. I have people ask me questions all the time about what happened. And then I finally get to share with them and like unadulteratedly share with them. And like people know me as being the most, one of the most authentic people that they know because I go without my shell. Like I, and it's not because of that necessarily, but like there is so much inner work that had to happen for me to be able to go into the world like this, like I, th- I think about this transformation of not even allowing roommates, people I lived with to see me without my shell in. And then all of a sudden, I'm not all of a sudden, let me tell you, that was a whole year of work. And I wanted to go five minutes and then I literally have not worn it since. And really this whole process has been so much uncovering of myself and like I've said multiple times through this is deepening in my esteem of myself because if I'm like so rooted and so grounded in who I am as a human being and my value and my worth I literally don't give a fuck what any of y'all think I do not but it goes back to that point of like I refused 
to be a victim to this. I was a victim. By definition, yes. But I refuse to let being a victim to this rule my life. And I think that's the most interesting thing about our trauma is that we are so committed and like almost addicted and like get off on our suffering so much that we are so committed to being the victim. And yet being the victim and like holding that so tightly is exactly what holds us back from being able to live the life that we truly want to live, to be able to actually move and breathe and live the life of our dreams. We were like so attached to being the victim and holding that trauma so tight that we can't even, even people in therapy, even people who have done a lot of the work, like we still are so deeply attached to our suffering. And like, there's value in that. And also, at what point are you going to become more committed to who you are and the, who, the, who you really are, to the life that you genuinely wanna live? Like, at what point are we really going to allow all of the masks to come off and the suffering. Like we wear our victimhood like a freaking, oh gosh, it's like so frustrating sometimes to me to like hear people and like interact with some people who are so committed to their suffering and their victimhood. And like, yeah, honestly, like homegirl over here has absolutely no patience for it because you want to talk about being a victim to your situation? I'm literally fucking half blind and I will be half blind for the rest of my life. Please do not talk to me about whatever the fuck trauma you have. Like, I have no, I mean, I get it. I, like, I've experienced other trauma other than just this. I absolutely understand. I absolutely acknowledge and validate it. And the more, if we're going to remain committed to our victimhood, we cannot grow. Like, at what point are we going to become more committed to our growth, more committed to our potential? Because the reality is God literally would not have sent you, developed you, and moved you through those things, the trauma, the things, if you were not meant to transcend those things. They were not there for you to commit to being the victim. They're not there. They don't happen for you to be the victim, they happen so that they can shape you into becoming who you're meant to be, into living the life that you're meant to live, into moving into your potential. And literally, eight-year-old me knew that then. And my hairstylist was like, you a woke-ass eight-year-old. <laughs> and like to a certain degree, yes. But that's why I'm so passionate about what I do for a living. It's because I'm like, you can do it. If I can do it, you can fucking do it. Garen fucking teed. I've literally been living in Mexico for a year, for a year, LOL, for a month now. Like, if I can do it, you can fucking do it. If I can stop being committed, I mean, let's be real, I was never committed to being the victim. I was always committing, I was always committed to being the victor over this situation. And like, always committed to never allowing it to move my life and allowing it to shape me and build as my, as Victoria Washington, my mentor would say, build my character so that I could do and move my life the way that God fucking intended me to do. It wouldn't be sent here. I sound like a fucking broken record. I should probably just stop talking. But there's like so much value in our trauma, in what has happened to us. 
simply on the basis that it is meant to form us like clay. It's like, And genuinely, like, just got to drop a line here and, like, hashtag promote. If you're interested in moving through your trauma and, like, I don't work with your trauma. I'm here to, I can't. I'm, like, literally legally not allowed to. But I can hold space for it and I can help you move towards living the life of your dreams by no longer playing the victim to it. That's what I can help you do. And that's why I'm passionate about what I do because I am tired, tired, tired of seeing people use their trauma as a reason to not live their lives. It's just not like, why? Like, the only person you're holding back with that is you. And honestly, all of the people that you are here, that you are here to impact with ever the, what the fucking, fucking fuck you do. And so if you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me, hit your girl up. Otherwise, I really hope that you become the victor in your story. And not from the place of the hero's journey. That's all great and fine. But if you're more like what I want you to sit with, what are you more committed to? Being a victim or your own growth and potential? That big, the big fucking questions. Let's go, baby. Okay. (laughs) Thank you all so much. I'll talk to you soon.